Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm Progress Texas Executive Director Kathleen Thompson. And I'm Progress Texas Digital Director Sam Gonzalez. Out of all of their bad options, the majority of Republican voters in Iowa have chosen the worst, chaos agent Donald Trump, who went into the caucuses bragging about being the president who overturned Roe v. Wade. It's no exaggeration to say this year's November general election will have major implications for the entire country and as a result, the world. In two major races, a massive progressive turnout in Texas could turn the tide. See, on one hand, our 40 electoral votes for president, it's safe to say that without Texas, no Republican candidate is likely to find a path to the White House. And on the other hand, the balance in the U.S. Senate, which could be kept in Democratic control via an upset loss for our widely despised junior senator, Ted Cruz. Writing for the majority in Dobbs versus Jackson, Supreme Court injustice Samuel Alito's words ring in my ears as a challenge. Quote, it's time to return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. The decision allows women on both sides of the abortion issue to seek to affect the legislative process and that women are not without electoral or political power, unquote. Central to Texas's voter turnout efforts to win that political power is the staff of the Texas Democratic Party, an organization that mainly active candidates, elected office holders, and the wonkiest of Texas political wonks know a lot about. So joining us today to talk about abortion on the ballot and winning Texas elections is Texas Democratic Party Executive Director Monique Alcala and Texas Democratic Party Convention Director Emma Pickering. Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. It's the first time for both of you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. And this is the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm going to be enjoying a Texas beer company, Pickup Porter. How about you, Sam? I've heard that there are no laws when you're drinking claws, and I'm feeling a little rebellious today. So I got a black cherry tall can that was left in my fridge by somebody. I don't know how this got here, but I'm having it. How about you, Monique? We'll go around the horn. Yeah, you know, I I had in my desk a 1987 flavored vodka. Uh, it's flavored blueberry, and I got this from the Black, Legis Texas Le uh, Black Legislative Caucus Gala a couple of weeks ago. Nice. There you go. Emma? Well, um, Monique's is a little bit fancier than mine. Um, I did steal, I did steal a uh, Sonic hard seltzer out of the TDP mini fridge before we hopped on this call. So I will be enjoying that today. So awesome! That's some high class stuff right there for all of us. Absolutely, that's all how we do it at TDP. <laughs> our assorted found beverages. But that being said, Monique and Emma, in November of 2023, multiple states voted to protect abortion access. That'd be Ohio, Virginia, Kentucky. And in 2022, even earlier than that, Kansas, California, Michigan, and Vermont did so. In several of these instances, the wins were ballot measures. Texas does not have a direct citizen ballot referendum. That would be too much democracy. So how can Texans vote for abortion rights in 2024? And what is the TDP doing to make sure abortion is top of mind for voters? Moni, let's start with you. So I think that what we're going to be able to do, I mean, we, we know that the Democratic Party is just the, the party that is on the right side of history on abortion. I mean, you, you talk to anybody and we're the ones who are ensuring that, that women have access to reproductive rights up and down the ballot. And so um, what we have done, uh, at least on the 
in the last few months is ensure, at least the first step is ensuring that we had a, a, a candidate that was running um, up and down the ballot all across Texas. And so we launched our program, Lone Star Rising, which the first part of it was um, we had two priorities here. And one of them was ensuring that we had uh, that we are working with all of our coalition partners to identify uh, candidates that um, that were interested in running and um, and that were aligned with all of our values, including um, ensuring access to reproductive care. And so we 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 had a tremendous um, outcome of that that we announced a couple of weeks ago with, uh, again, like with all of the help of our coalition partners where we are um, we are contesting all of our statewide um, races. We are contesting um, cr a court of criminal appeals. We are contesting everything that is up at the State Board of Education. Um, and we are also contesting every single state Senate seat, 85% um, of the House of um, House of Representative seats. And um, and also on the day that everything that was coming in for filing, um, that was the day that we got the news that Kate Cox had fled the state in order to get her um, life-saving abortion. And, um, and we also heard that the Supreme Court had denied her um, access to getting a uh, to getting a life-saving abortion. And so we are contesting every single one of those Supreme Court, uh, Texas Supreme Court uh, races. The Texas Democrats put on the largest state Democratic convention in the country, and it's the biggest way to get activated in Texas politics outside of the voting booth. Um, and at convention this year, I can rest assured abortion is one of the largest topics and things we'll be covering from major speakers uh, down to panels. Um, it's something that we want to talk about and hone that message in and allow all of our people to take it home with them. So Americans paying attention should see Texas as a warning of what Republicans will impose on the entire nation should they gain control of the White House and Congress this year. Would you both talk to us about the likelihood of that happening should they gain that much power of a national abortion ban, but also the, the most extreme cases of what's happening here in Texas, you know, forced pregnancy, what's happening elsewhere, criminalization of miscarriage. It's our opinion at Progress Texas that Americans are watching Texas and um, should see Texas as a warning sign of what's to come if Republicans are able to take the White House and Congress this fall. Could you talk to us about the likelihood of that happening should they gain that power? Yeah, you know, that's a really important question. And I think it's something that we're seeing that's top of mind, as you just mentioned, in Ohio and Virginia. And, you know, we just saw a really incredible win out in Florida in that uh, special election in HD 35, where uh, Florida was able to flip the House legislative seat and abortion was top of mind and that people were talking about it. And the way that they want it was um, over 40 percent of independents had voted in favor of the Democrat in that in that particular district. And so th th and this I think that just speaks to the importance and that um, everybody is 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 not only paying attention to what we're doing here in Texas, because we, we've passed some of the most draconian bills on on abortion. I mean, we le legitimately have an abortion ban um, here in the state. And this was far before um, the fall of Dobbs and uh, and and the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So yes, everybody is paying attention to Texas. We are um, we are by uh, objectively a, a a battleground state. We are going to make sure that people know that um, that this is something that is on the ballot, and that whenever you're voting for Democrats um, in, in in November, that um, that 
a vote for for our candidates is going to ensure that you have the the right to your to make a decision in the privacy of your own home on what uh, what you can do with your life. I mean, um, I think that we saw like a uh, like a month ago that uh, the Cato Institute, which is Koch funded, had ranked Texas as last on personal freedoms, and and this this just speaks to the things that. You know, that, that that we're experiencing here in Texas, and so, um, so yeah, everybody like Texas is on the national stage um, right now. It has been, and particularly whenever Joe Manchin decided that he was going to retire, um, that puts Texas on the map. We just saw an AP article about that. Um, we are we are doing everything that we can to ensure that people know um, that 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 Democrats are are the ones that are fighting for their rights. That kind of goes along with. Um getting people to convincing people rather especially young people that they have the power to change things in Texas now the presidential and US senatorial races are not limited by Texas's extreme gerrymandering so statewide turnout is going to be key so with that idea that Texas is this red state is already bought and sold and won for the Republicans. What's the state party doing to maximize turnout in this do or die election? And what are the untapped sources of voters that the party is targeting? Is it going to be young voters? Is it a certain ethnicity? Emma, I'm going to pass it to you because you're, you run the bigger, the convention, and that is a huge place to find voters and to encourage voters. So what's the approach there to finding these untapped sources of people who may believe what we believe, but have yet to vote? Absolutely. Well, I think the really interesting about thing about our convention, especially this year, in 2024, it is arguably, I would say, the most historic Democratic convention we have ever put on. Um, mm-hmm. It is historic in every right. We haven't been to El Paso in over 20 years. We, um, wow. It's a presidential year. Biden is on the ballot. Um, Ted Cruz is on the ballot. There's lots of ways to get activated and get engaged at this event. Um, and when you're when you're in a space like this and you're bringing thousands of people to a space um, to talk about electoral politics and you're talking about strategy, um, these are the people you need to listen to and these are the people that you need to learn from to learn who to message to. Um, so largely, I think our draw to bring those types of people in um, is to put together a really strong speaking program, uh, mm-hmm. which is something that Monique and I have worked really diligently Gently and very hard on for the past couple months. We started actually the same day, which is so fun. And so we've been working on this since day one, grinding it out, grinding it out. And um, so later this spring, we'll be launching a full spread, like fully engaged um, national to local level speaking program that will bring together every person that we're targeting from the young folks um, to people from our border communities, to people, to rural folks in East Texas. Um, And that's really kind of what we're targeting at convention as well. Here at the halfway point, a quick reminder for you to hit our web store at progresstexas.org. It's always open. You can choose from y'all means all, revolution, or our most popular Humans Against Ted Cruz t-shirts. They're union made right here in Texas, of course. With your purchase, you're supporting our important work and looking great doing it. Again, the web store and other ways to support our ongoing mission can be found at progresstexas.org. So here at Progress Texas, we're looking forward to the TDB convention in El Paso. All of our staff is coming. Uh, We've been making plans and travel arrangements. El Paso is a terrific town, but um, honestly, it's gonna not be convenient from a travel perspective for for, uh, some Texans. So could you talk to us about um, how you're gonna make sure that lots of folks can make the trip? 
there's a lot of skepticism, um, obviously, very publicly about what the choice was behind um, picking El Paso in the first round. Well, like I touched on before, it's a historic event. Um, there's nothing more historic or mo more profound than choosing to put on an event in a border city um, in a time like this, in a like messaging moment like this in 2024. And um, El Paso deserves this. I don't know if y'all have ever had the chance to visit El Paso, but it is stunning. Um, it's mm -hmm. arguably one of my favorite cities in, El in the state of Texas right now. Um, I get to visit all the time. I get to hang out with the locals, and they're really pumped about this. And I think that um, when we're thinking about drive, uh, getting people there, I think people are excited, even if they are skeptical outside of it. Our hotel blocks are filling up fast. And um, I think it's, you know, if you're wanting to be a part of a movement and you're wanting to look for a place to mobilize in the state of Texas that's not in the ballot box, that's not um, getting somebody, you know, to vote, this is the place to do it. So driving people there to participate in that is really something that we're honing in on. And it's not even just, you know, the general session. We also have a ton of events planned um, with some really exciting speakers, really exciting folks joining us, um, whether it's our kickoff or our iconic ladybird breakfast that we do every year that's going to take place in Paso del Norte, which is a historic hotel right there from steps away from the general session. I think really what we're focusing and honing in on drive-wise is that this is not something you want to miss. Being engaged and being active in something that's so historic is something that um, I encourage every Democrat in the state of Texas to look into. Um, it has so much impact to be able to vote on people that we're sending to the national convention um, and just chat with people who agree with you. Emma won't say this, but um, I, I, and I know that I think intuitively people know this, but I think we are the largest convention or second largest convention in the entire country. So it, yes. it is no, you're looking at the person <laughs> who is, who is masterminding the whole thing beautifully, and by the way. Thank you. Yes. Behind the national convention in Chicago, we are the largest democratic convention in the country. So, I mean, we're, we're actually the biggest party in the country going on at that weekend. You know, you don't want to miss it. You're going to be around thousands of people who agree with you and want to hang out with you and want to learn from each other. And so uh, if anything, if you're looking for a reason to go, it should just be that just to come hang out and learn and um, experience a once in a lifetime weekend. After how many sessions in Austin, being at the Capitol going back and forth and back and forth to Austin, uh, the change of scenery is actually probably going to be pretty good for some of these folks too. Right. You know, a little dry heat. Yeah, try heat, <laughs> no nobody. humidity, hang out outside and look at the mountains and then enjoy El Paso. Get some, Definitely eat some good so Mexican pretty. food. Definitely yeah. a pretty city. Emma, we'll link it in our show notes, but can you go ahead and mention the website for the Texas Democratic Party's um, state convention? Yes. So it's going to be texasdemocraticconvention.com. And uh, that's the place where you can find out how to pre-register to uh, be a delegate at the convention, find out where your uh, your local county or congressional district convention is going to be at. And also you can book within our hotel room blocks, which are filling up so fast on our website as well. And I, I want to um, ask one more uh, quick question about the convention. Would you share about the demographic and issue caucuses that happen at every state convention and why those um, matter so much? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, forgive me if I miss a couple, uh, but, you know, it goes from our Black Caucus to our Asian Caucus to our Women's Caucus. Um, these are the folks that um, are electing um, representatives into the DNC National Convention. Um, and uh, when you fill out your pre-registration form, uh, and you go to look at that, you can see that there'll be a, pre a presidential preference check. And um, 
people can, that's how you get sent to the national convention. So you uh, choose your presidential preference, you're elected from the, the delegates there at the state convention uh, by your presidential preference, and then you head to the national convention. And within these issue-based caucuses, uh, these are the folks that um, will be sending some of those delegates up there. And as great as an experience as it can be in person, there are going to be lots of Texas progressives who just aren't able to swing it, can't make it. They're on the other side of Texas, which for anybody listening outside of Texas is not just a real easy in-state drive. It's it's actually quite large, the state, if you look at a map and, and really see how wide the mileage is. How can people engage remotely? Uh, either one of you can answer this. How How is the best way for someone who can't make it to engage remotely? So we will be live streaming our convention on the convention website, uh, and we, you can also engage with us on all of our socials at Texas Democrats. We'll be posting updated content day by day, week by week, and then also the months leading up. Uh, so we'll be announcing when we announce all of our speakers, um, and you'll be able to hear from our co-chairs, Congresswoman Veronica Escobar and uh, Senator uh, Cesar Blanco about what they have to say about the city of El Paso as well as we're heading up there. The biggest date that's happening before the convention for the state party would be the March primaries. Would you like to talk to us about the importance of folks participating in every race on their ballot in the March primaries? You know, as I mentioned earlier, we had launched the Lone Star Rising program and a lot of the, we have some incredible Democrats that are running and um, that will be on the ballot in March 5th. And we encourage everybody to check out all of their websites and sure, like look at um, look at what the, what their positions are on all of the things and, and vote for the person that they, uh, you know, feel as though will best represent them in, in their districts. So um, we, like I said, we have um, so many people running up and down the ballot. A lot of folks are, are in contested primaries. I love primaries personally. Um, I think that they make candidates better and they, they, they force us to, to think about things in a different way. So um, yeah, highly encourage folks to, to check out um, who, is, who is running. Right after the March primaries, um, what we are lucky enough to do is our county and congressional uh, district conventions, which is what you have to attend before you can become a delegate at the state convention. So on March 23rd, which is a little over a week after, a uh, little probably about two weeks after the primary, um, you can join all of your local Democrats um, and go and vote to become a state delegate and get involved at the local level because everything starts local here in Texas politics. Yeah, if you've never been to a national convention, I highly recommend it. Lots of fun, lots of great people doing incredible work throughout the country. Is there anything else that our listeners should know about the Texas Democratic Party in terms of participation? Because I want to say this off script that a lot of people are tired of politics. It's exhausting. We're in the world and we know how exhausting it is. And people even outside of it, everyday people are exhausted by the left, the right, the middle, all the, you know, people have questions about Biden. People have questions about the other guy who will completely upend this entire country and make everything a lot worse, but are frustrated with the way things are going now. How can you keep people heartened, first of all, a Texan's heartened, to keep on voting, to keep participating in something that might actually go away if the other guy wins, you know, d equal access to democracy? Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, I've been in this role almost five months now, and it's been really incredible, not only because— um, of the work that we've been able to do, but more importantly, the people I've been able to be around. The staff is mm -hmm. incredible. They've done wonderful work. We we have we have uh, really amazing coalition partners that we have worked with every single day. And you know, I was talking with a couple of Democrats who have run a couple of times. Um, one, Wendy Davis and and Beto, in a meeting a couple of months ago. 
And I, I say this, this story um, just because it's funny, because it's true. Um, you know, Wendy was talking about how she is an optimist and that's mm -hmm. why she keeps writing. And that's why she keeps doing the work that she does. And then she turns to Beto and she says, I know, and I know you're an optimist. <laughs> and, 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 and it's true. You know, I think that um, particularly here in Texas, it's nothing new that we're a special type of person. Um, we're tough, we're resilient. And anytime that we get knocked down, that we just get right back up and we keep fighting the battle. And um, the, the thing that has been incredibly heartening for me in the last five months is um, getting to meet even more people that are so optimistic about the chances and like the opportunities um, that we have here in the state and the opportunities to make change. And we know that at, T at TDP, it is our job to not just talk about campaigns and elections in a very rigid way. You know, I think that historically, you know, sometimes we talk about campaigns in, in terms of like just you know, block walking and making phone calls and doing text messages and direct voter contact. But now we're having conversations around relational organizing. We're having conversations around um, what are the different things that people can do that are meaningful and unique to them um, that make participating in politics um, special and make them feel as though they are invested in the party. And so um, that's how we think about engagement with the party. Uh, we know that we have a tremendous job ahead of us. And um, you know, I, I think that you know, from my perspective as, as the executive director, um, the, the, my favorite thing is to surround, to surround myself with incredibly smart people who aren't afraid to tell me no, um, and who are also um, not just not afraid to tell me no, but also tell me whenever we're messing things up um, and so that we can have a conversation around how to fix it. And I think that's how we have a conversation around how we can be an inclusive party that ensures that people are being heard and that they have they feel as though they, they are participating in a process and a party that represents their views. And Emma, you're organizing that forum, essentially, the actual physical forum where people can speak their mind. And, and how does your planning kind of incorporate people's input and in getting what people want accomplished? I think a lot of it has to do with um, who I am as a person. I'm a young woman entering um, politics. And uh, oftentimes, uh, as a young person, you hear a lot about from your friends and your colleagues and who you work with that politics seems so inaccessible. Um, from the outside world, especially to young people, they feel like it's often something that's too complex or um, something that doesn't allow them um, to get engaged in. Uh, so this job, especially putting on a convention, the largest state convention in the country, something I wanted to do was create a space um, where everyone, um, no matter their identity, uh, no matter where they come from, uh, no matter who they choose to be or what issues make them activated or what their why is um, and why they choose to be in politics, it's brought up and they're able to speak about it and they're able to hear about it. And they're able, able to engage with people who agree with them or make them think um, maybe a little bit of a different way or um, start, you know, having different conversations. So that is something that's so important to me uh, going into this convention. And I think that working with Monique and the rest of my team, uh, it's something we're actually gonna be able to do. And um, I cannot wait to see y'all there and get to watch y'all watch us put it off. Yeah, so we're definitely excited to be there. Now, once again, Texas Democratic Party's Executive Director, Monique Alcala, and Convention Director, Emma Pickering, gearing up for the 2024 elections. Thank you so much for coming on, and we appreciate your time and input today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. It's our pleasure. Progress Texas will be here telling the truth 
and generating hundreds of original articles, pods, posts, and videos for you through this all-important election year thanks to our donors. Every single dollar is important. We send huge thanks to our returning donors without whom we couldn't do our work. That's Dixie Ivy Brown, Jeffrey Snyder, and Patricia Smothers, just three of y'all. Thank you so much. Your donations are always welcome at progresstexas.org. And if you're enjoying our podcast, a very easy way to join us in the fight for progress is to share our podcast feed with a friend. If you're opinionated like me, please drop a review on the podcast platform of your choice. And thanks again for your support. Bye. Bye, y'all. The Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, and our featured music is by Walker Lukens. Please be sure and subscribe to the Progress Texas Happy Hour on the podcast platform of your choice. Take a moment to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show and be sure and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening and for all you do to press progress forward here in the Lone Star State. We'll see you again next week.